0: This is Bob Rockwood Business Leaders Podcast, and lucky again this morning, we have Jamie Zalman. She is the founder and president of Titan CEO, and we have as our guest this morning, Nick Stanitz-Harper. He's the CRO and co-founder of Ederson Interactive. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. in here. Hey, before we get started, congrats on being selected as a Titan 100. Great honor. Welcome. Well done.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Super, well, if you would, Nick, tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. So you know Edison Interactive is a uh, VC back tech company that that builds interactive customer experience of solutions primarily for complex environments. Um, our platform was was originally designed to allow companies of all shapes and sizes to design, build, deploy, and then manage large scale screen networks globally. We focus on building enterprise-level IoT and digital out-of-home solutions that really personalize and enhance the customer experience. Our solutions currently span across multiple industries, ranging from golf cars, rental cars, ride shares, fan engagement, sports betting platforms, and more. And we're currently one of the uh, fastest-growing digital out-of-home screen networks in North America. We've got about 40,000 screens on our network right now.
0: You guys have been slacking, no doubt. I know, right? (laughs) You know, Super. one thing before we go, you know, there's folks go IOT. So for the folks that are listening that aren't aware of what IOT is, could you expand on that just a little?
1: Absolutely. So IOT is Internet of Things, right? So it's being able to control different devices in the wild and do creative, cool things. So for, like, for us, an example of IOT would be, you know, one of our platforms is Shark Experience presented by Verizon, which is a partnership between Verizon and Greg Norman Media and, uh, and Club Car. And we do stuff through our technology that controls the devices and controls the golf cars and allows us to do, you know, creative, unique things with our solutions.
0: Okay. Jamie, sorry I interrupted. Go ahead.
2: No, it's fascinating. It's super cool what you do, and I love it. So, again, congratulations on your recognition as a Titan 100 for those of you that are listening in We recognized the Titan 100 CEOs and C-level executives in Colorado, 100 Titans of industry. And so I always like to kick things off and ask our Titans, what characteristics they believe it takes to be considered a Titan 100 or a Titan of industry?
1: Absolutely. And first of all, thank you very much, Jamie. You've been phenomenal to work with and really impressed by what you've done through uh, such crazy times. So thank you. You know, I'm going to break this down into three main characteristics just for the sake of time. The first one for me, guys, is vision, right? I mean, for a Titan needs to think globally, not locally. From my experience, it takes just as much time to build partnerships on a global scale as it does on a local scale. You know, with one of my previous startups, our mission was focused on simply just dominating the Colorado market. And as a tech company, that was a very important lesson that I learned back in the day. You know, if your vision isn't massive, it's going to have a hard time getting your investors, your partners, your employees really attached to the mission of the company. So number one for me is vision, always vision. The second for me is having great communication skills, right? I mean, what good is having a massive vision if you can't communicate it properly? At the end of the day, really leading a successful organization, in my opinion, comes down to one thing, and that's your people, right? So the ability to properly communicate your mission will allow you to grow a loyal base of of customers, of partners, of employees And at the end of the day, being able to communicate with them in a brutal honesty and transparent fashion allows them to to trust you implicitly, which for me is the holy grail, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. The third thing would be just really having the ability to execute. Do what you say you're going to do at all costs. Build the right teams, pay attention, do the right things, and just execute no matter what, because at the end of the day, people just need to know they can rely on you.
2: Some really strong characteristics of a titan right there. I especially love execution, right? It's putting your mouth where your money is or your vision is. So far too often, there are a lot of visionaries out there but they can fail to execute. So I love the fact that you've included that.
1: Absolutely, under promise, over deliver, right?
0: You know, what's that old thing? What is it, a vision is a dream without execution kind of thing, you know, you (laughs) gotta go, yeah, you know, and a lot of those die on the kitchen table for sure. Speaking of which, so you didn't just jump out and start this particular company and whatnot. So give us a little flavor of your journey to this point, because I think the the folks love to hear, how'd you get from there to here?
1: Absolutely. So somehow I got connected to this connected device space very early on. You know, I was involved in a a company that was doing, you know, uh, subscriptions for magazines and newspapers, a lot of the major daily newspapers and stuff like that. And I had this kind of idea to try and increase digital circulation for our partners, At the time, it was, you know, you're paying for your print and you got the digital for free, right? And to me, I kind of thought that was a little bit backwards because you're getting a lot more freely trading content and stuff like that. So I created a company called All Digital Circulation in 2007, 2008, which was very early for this um and it was you know you buy a 12-month subscription to the chicago tribune you get a chicago tribune branded tablet with a marketplace for advertisers and all that good stuff and we built the company we did fairly well with it and we built it to about 65 people over about a five or six year period and then people stopped buying It was one of those things, Bob, it was, wow, that was a bad day. Wow, that was a bad week, right? Wow, that was a bad quarter. And so from there, you know, I was spending a lot of time with my clients in major metropolitan cities, you know, New York and Las Vegas and all over the place. And I didn't understand why nobody was really focusing on getting connected screens in the backs of transportation vehicles. I mean, there was no Uber back then, but it was taxis. And so we pivoted away from all digital circulation. I had thousands of these devices that were in our storage units. And so I hired an engineering firm to help me figure out how to plug it into a vehicle switch and put it in the back seat of a car and went to all the taxi companies here in Denver Union and Metro and Yellow Taxi and, and installed the tablets. And then from there, we take the technology and we put it into sports bars and medical facilities and doctor's offices. And we built a fairly nice, you know, screen network here in Colorado and a nice little advertising business. And, you know, my co founder is a guy named Jeremy Ostermiller. And Jeremy founded a company in 2009 called Altitude Digital. So in their heyday, they were, you know, serving like 9 billion video ads a day. They were one of the largest video advertisers in the world. And when he left Altitude Digital, him and I grew up together and we'd always tried to find a way to work together. And advertising at that scale was something that I really, you know, didn't have the expertise and the vision for. So we kind of rolled my former company, Sticky Media, into Edison and joined forces in 2016 and the rest is history.
0: Wow. Those childhood friendships and mischief. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's for a different podcast, Bob.
2: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, I think it's uh, so cool that you... Continue to adopt and take your strengths and continue to pivot and add to them. Being in the publishing world myself for 13 years, I saw the waves. Yes, but we were in magazine publishing. So a little bit different than news, but yeah, definitely just the evolution of change of how people choose to continue to receive information has been just mind boggling at some point. So I You know, here you are, fast forward now, and it's you and Jeremy running this company. I have to ask you, as you continue to grow and you've talked a little bit about your vision, right, globally thinking, you know, what's the best allocation of either time or initiatives that you believe has helped the company most?
1: Yeah, great question, Jamie. You know, the best allocation of time and really initiative that has helped our company has to be focusing on building great partnerships. You know, at Edison, we always say that our superpower is partnerships. You know, when we launched Shark Experience presented by Verizon and we became their platform and their advertising partner, we put all of our focus as a company into that partnership right? We did everything in our power to make that product as successful as possible. You know, we completely immersed ourselves in it. We built technology specific to their needs. We built operational processes to allow us to manage the screens. The list goes on and on. And as the product and as our company scaled, we then built an A-team around it, right? And so we could focus on expanding to our other verticals with Avis and so on and so forth. And really in hindsight, the technology and the processes that we built for Shark Experience in the early days really gave us the ability to scale a lot of our other customer experience platforms very rapidly. And the same goes for all of our partnerships, right? Avis Budget Group, Captivate, Verizon, BetterView, right? Now, you know, some people probably wouldn't agree with that strategy of really going all in with partners, but it paid off for us. I mean, in four years, we've lost one product from our portfolio and and I truly believe it's because of of our intense focus on each partner.
2: Is there any sort of secret sauce to building a strong partnership?
1: Transparency. Transparency and execution, right? I mean, it's, you know, our our partners, like I said, people need to know they can rely on you. They need to know they can trust you. And for us, it's been a land and expand strategy. You know, get in with a partner, find that one trouble point that they need help with on the technology side and then expand from there, right, and go from that point.
0: Fixing the problem,
1: right? Fix the problem and then find more problems to fix,
0: it's not like we don't have problems. You, you know, for you, you're the CRO for the company. And mm-hmm. so for, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, there's in the back of your mind, go, okay, what are we doing? How do we go? So for you, what's the mental dialogue that goes on for you on a day-to-day basis that keeps you focused on that particular function?
1: Yeah, no, again, great question, guys. And, th- and th- this is an easy one for me. It's gratitude. I'll say this. It's actually a mixture of gratitude and visualization, Right. I actually wrote an article about this last week that was published for the Denver Business Journal because this is a subject that's just very near and dear to me. I truly believe that creating a morning and nightly routine around gratitude and visualization has changed my life more than anything else. You know, I start every morning the same way. I wake up, do a quick exercise, sometimes quicker than others, and then I go through a list of my personal mission statements, my mantras, right? Then I go through a pretty rigorous gratitude meditation. I think about all the things in my life that I'm currently grateful for. My wife, my family, my friends, company, business partners, relationships, like weather, like literally anything that comes to my mind. And then I think about everything that I want out of life, right? I think about, I convince myself that I already have them and I go through a visualization on it. And then I go through the same process. I'm grateful for the things that I already have in the future, right? And that helps me kind of focus my mind around what I want out of life. And then the last thing is that I have a simple meditation that I go through at night, right before I go to bed. And that is around just thinking about everything that I'm grateful for that happened that day, right? And that kind of trained my mind to think about, to look for, hey, I'm going to be grateful for this and that. and, And it focuses your mind to look for the good things. So, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a business leader, you're met with so many things that are out of your control on a daily basis, right? I mean, you get hit with semi-trucks all the time. And so just being able to control how you start your day and how you end your day has been a game changer for me. And what's really cool is now we're seeing a lot of our team members at Edison that are going through the same type of rituals. And it's, it's cool to see them kind of develop and grow with it as well.
0: I had to follow up with one question. So do you remember the point in your journey when you started practicing those gratitude mm-hmm. mantras in the morning and the evening? And then when you noticed the change from that effort.
1: I do. And it was actually nothing professional. I went through a couple of big tragedies. I lost both my brothers and it caused me to, you know, start evaluating some things and and really just kind of focused me into you either go one way, right? You go a very negative way or you force yourself to go a positive direction. Thankfully, I was able to do that. So, you know, when I started really, you know, waking up in the morning and starting having those, you know, negative thoughts. You know, grab your phone, look at your email, look at your ranting social media posts, whatever it may be, you go one way or the other. And so going through those tragedies at a younger age really forced me to to take control of my mind and it's changed my entire life. Thank you for that, yeah.
2: It's so important to have an attitude of gratitude. And I know there are a lot of CEOs that practice it, a lot mm-hmm. of executives that build that as part of their daily mantra. It's incredibly powerful, right, the mind what we can conceive and believe we can achieve. So it's no surprise that based off of your mindset, you've been able to accomplish the type of success that you have, Nick. So when you think about the business side of things, you know, do you have a belief or protocol that you've established in the company that's impacted the company in such a positive way?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them, right? But, you know, one of the big things for us is we try to establish a belief that that anything and everything is possible. You know, we're really pushing the envelope with regards to the technology in our industry. And so our team spends a tremendous amount of time trying to solve incredibly difficult and incredibly complex technical issues, right? So we constantly have to push them to think outside the box, Right. You know, I'll go back to when we first launched the company, we were forced to try and figure out how to deliver content and media and functional feature sets to golf cars. Right. And then rental cars and ride shares and and so on. And there's real issues with providing a high profile solution in that environment. You have connectivity issues. You have environmental issues. You have electrical issues, hardware issues, stability. Right. I mean, the list goes on and on. Now we're delivering live PGA Tour events to 25,000 golf cars all over the country, but you didn't get there overnight, right? We had to push our team to think outside the box, come up with creative solutions and then break those complex tasks into simple manageable tasks and then just get started, which is a lot of times the hardest thing to do, right? Is just get started on that first task. But if you do that and you have some discipline around it, Eventually, you're going to build momentum and you're going to break through the other side. So I would say the biggest belief is think outside the box and try to create solutions that allow you to think that anything's possible.
2: You know, it takes strong leadership to continue to inspire innovation in an organization to think differently. Do you have any advice around people that might get stuck and how to continue to inspire the innovation so that, you know, they can continue to press forward?
1: Yeah, well, number one, it's you got to have the right team around you, right? Like, I mean, you have to be surrounded by people that are way better and way smarter than you, and you got to commit to learning on it, right? But the biggest thing for us has been being able to remove ourselves from the solutions. And we look always at a partner versus build, right? Partner, build, buy, right? So that's the strategy that a lot of companies follow. So we try to research what competitors are doing. We try to research what partners are doing. We try to research as much as we can around specific issues. And then when we decide to build, which more times than not, we do build our own tech, it's chopping those massive elephants into individual bites and then controlling the process for the team to be able to start tackling them day after day
0: after day. If that makes sense.
2: It does, thanks.
0: I'm thinking of the challenge of innovation in a problem environment, right? For lack of a better term. And so let's say you had the blue problem, I don't care, whatever it is, you had a problem. When you put together your team members to try to address a particular problem, you know, who typically do you invite and what's, is there a specific process that you frame that meeting together so you start trying to produce some outcome?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're a heavy technology-focused company, right? So I'll go with a, a technical here. So who do we invite? We invite all of our top leaders. We invite our CTO. We invite our uh, director of innovation. We, we, right? we have a lot of people that are our product team as well as our heads of engineering, and it's a brainstorm session. We all get along great. We have a massive whiteboard here at our offices in Cherry Creek, and we just start spouting things off. And and it sometimes it looks like the beautiful mind on our board, and sometimes it looks like a complete scribble zone, right? But after every single one of those meetings, we leave with action items. You know, you're going to go take a look at this company and this company and come back with ideas about how we could potentially incorporate something similar. You're going to go have a conversation with the stakeholders of our clients here to really dig in and figure out what we're trying to accomplish for them. And then it's meeting after meeting with it, right? And so at the end of it, you come up with an actionable, manageable game plan to attack that issue, whether it's integrating a partner, building the technology, and it just goes piece by piece by piece. And then Three months, six months, nine months, twelve months later, you have the basis for the solving of your problem.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's in many cases. I'll hear somebody says, "You should have good financials," and you go, "Thanks for that. I should be taller too." You know, <laughs> think, yeah, you know, you going to. Okay, what does that mean, and how do you apply it? You know, so so for you as you're going through and working with the company and so on, we all often find inspiration from a quote is there a quote that you find meaningful or close to your heart that you like
1: it is my quote that i always run with is uh think big start small scale fast one of my early mentors really instilled this in me and now it has become the basis for how i look at every product or business that i launch and it's have massive vision but start small right focus on building the business the right way creating the right tech you know looking at the right working out the right operational processes evaluating market fit and once the business or product has a solid foundation scale as fast as you can right scale quickly so you can build a moat around the business and so it's think big start small scale fast like that
2: one. I i do too like a good quote
1: i wish i could take it as my own but i can't
2: <laughs> it's about finding your mantra and like living it right okay. so that's your mantra live it own it like it is
0: Absolutely.
2: yours that's good i have a another question for you just throw you a little bit of a curveball you know chief revenue officer and co-founder what's your most important role in that title
1: leading my teams right? My most important role is leading my teams. A lot of people would think, you know, first of all, CRO is a title, co-founder is a whole nother title, right? And so it's important to distinguish between the two because the the responsibilities that come with the co-founder title are just as great as the CRO title. But it's leading your teams, right? So I'm involved not only with our revenue teams, but I'm heavily involved with our technology teams and our operations teams. It's being able to build the right team around that because that's my number one priority. If I know and I have the confidence that our technology team is gonna be able to execute and our revenue team is gonna be able to execute and our operations team is gonna be able to execute, that's what I need to be able to build the partnerships on the other side, right? Because I would never bring a client or a partner or a project that we aren't 100% confident that we're going to knock out of the park. All right, so I would say number one is managing and putting the right processes and teams in place to execute, number two, closely followed there, is scaling the business globally with, with the partnerships that we have and, and finding new ones.
2: There, you heard it, Bob. He talks like a titan.
0: <laughs> and what came to my mind is walk like an magician, and I know that's not the same analysis, but, <laughs> <laughs> but talk like a titan. You heard it here first, right? Oh yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, it, to be respectful of your time, I thought we would bring this episode to close. I'm sure we could go quite a bit further down the road. You know, if for folks that are interested in in what you're doing in the your space, how do they find you on social media?
1: Yeah, Nick Stanitz Harper. There's only one that I've found with that name. So, uh, <laughs> LinkedIn would be the best place to start, but really also Edison Interactive, uh, LinkedIn, all of our social media. Go to edisoninteractive.com and uh would love to have you follow our journey.
0: Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Jamie, anything that uh, we should have asked or left out?
2: Well, if you're interested in learning more about Nick and his story, you can go to www.titan100.biz and find Nick's profile page there. You can view all of our titans of industry, all 100 from 2020. And then also visit the downloadable book, where you can read about Nick and the rest of the Titans here in Colorado. So thank you so much for being here, Nick. And congratulations again on your recognition as a Titan 100. It's been so awesome to interview you in the live and hear more about your story and how your mind works.
1: Well, thank you, Jamie. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And if I don't speak to you, have a great Thanksgiving, okay?
0: Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks so much.
2: Talk to you guys soon. All righty. All right, bye.